Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Devin Fry. I am the uh, Youth and Young Adults Director here at uh, Connect. My father is the lead pastor, Pastor Derek Fry. He's on vacation right now. I know uh, you're sad he's not here. I get it. Uh, he's on vacation, a much-needed vacation. And uh, you got me today, so hopefully that, that'll do for you guys. <laughs> Thank you for that pity clap. I appreciate it. <laughs> Just kidding. Listen, uh, a couple things you need to know about me. Uh, for one, like I said before, I am not a talker. I'm a preacher. I'm a spitter. So you guys might get hit with some, some saliva, but it's anointed. Praise God. Um, and we'll give you guys washcloths. Maybe the ushers can give them. I'm just kidding. Um, I'll try and limit it. Okay, guys, you cool with that? Uh, she's like, great. <laughs> Love you, Kim. You're awesome. Um, that being said, uh, I am uh, a white male, but I am a black Pentecostal preacher on the inside, okay? So listen, I need, thank you, Jeff, you're the man. So I need a verbal participation. Uh, I, at times, will preach shorter and better if you shout me down. So I have a couple friends, uh, they're pretty charismatic. One friend of mine, uh, whenever he hears a principle or a truth preached, he will always go, oh, glory. <laughs> it's just, I just love that. So like, you can say whatever you want, but you just can't be silent, okay? Can you guys just say something really fast to me? One, two, three. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. The last service, uh, there was a lady, she's like, talk about it. I'm just like, listen, you can say whatever you want. It won't scare me at all, right? Hey, if you got your Bibles, Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. I'm so excited to preach today. I feel good, and I believe God's going to meet you here. Amen. Luke chapter 14. As you turn there, uh, I want to address the guests. If you're new here, thank you so much for coming to church on Sunday. Again, you got to come back. You got to hear the pastor of this house. He's an unbelievable Bible teacher and communicator. And I'm going to do my best to be able to kind of communicate God's truth. What we do here a lot of times is I'll read about nine, uh, past, nine scriptures, nine different sentences uh, from this Bible. I believe this Bible is not just a historical book, but this book is alive and it's active. It can change your life if you allow it to. Come on. And so I'm going to read about nine different scriptures, and I'm going to give you a little bit of context of where we are in this story real fast. I'm going to give you a few truths, some practical application that you can apply to your everyday life, and I believe God can change us, and I believe that you are going to be anointed and equipped to go back into your community and change it for the glory of God. Come on, somebody. Amen? Amen? So here's where we are in the story. Uh, there's a little bit of tension in the room. Jesus was invited by this Pharisee. A, a Pharisee is basically the religious elite. They upheld the highest moral standard. These people were known for their good behavior. Many of them memorized all the Old Testament Pentateuch scriptures, had it verbatim. Could you imagine not only just memorizing a chapter, but memorizing like literally books of the Bible? That's how elite they were. Now, oftentimes, the religious elite, the Pharisees and Jesus, clashed heads together. They, would, they were frustrated with each other because, one, the Pharisee says, Jesus is the Messiah. He claims he's the Messiah. That's blasphemy. I can't learn from him. Many of them tried to kill him. And Jesus also had a clash with them because he says, listen, it's not your merit. It's not your behavior. It's not any of the stuff you do that can get you into heaven. But you see heaven right in front of you, and you don't even recognize me. What a dangerous place that is. And so we find ourselves in that tension. Jesus is invited to a household, and they start having dinner with each other. Now, the Bible says and records that he was carefully being watched. I thought that's powerful principle because all of us are being carefully watched, whether you know it or not. How are you responding when people are watching, by the way? He was being carefully watched. 
And then it just so happens, coincidentally, many scholars believe that the Pharisees maybe have planted this man with, uh, it's called dropsy, this uh, uh, intense swelling, this intense pain, this swelling of the uh, skin. It was very painful. Uh, it was actually really dangerous, and many people died from this. They believe, coincidentally, he was planted in this place, and it was on the Sabbath. It fell on the Sabbath day, which means you couldn't work. The moral law and the code was to say you have to rest on the Sabbath. You can't heal. You can't really do anything of value. That being said, Jesus just can't help himself but to heal this guy. Isn't that awesome about the nature of our God? Is that if he's just in the vicinity and he sees a problem, he cannot help himself but to heal and to deliver and to set people free. You have a friend like that? Anybody have a friend like that? You know, they just see a problem and they just have to help the problem, right? Uh, This past week I was in uh, Oklahoma, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My buddy and I, uh, one of my best friends, DJ, was with me. And uh, there was this young kid, he's 20 years old, has a collagen in his life. We're about to go into a session. There's about five minutes left until the session starts. And, of course, this kid and I and, and DJ were all talking. And he begins to say, yeah, I got a concussion back in the day, and my eye is kind of permanently state and swollen this way. And so, of course, I'm like, oh, great, here we go. We're going to be late to the conference session because DJ heard there's a problem. He's going to pray for him at the end of this thing. I'm going to be 10 minutes late. I'm frustrated right now. Of course, at the end of this kid's monologue, he's t- talking his ear, our ears off. You know, anybody like being punctual in here? <laughs> like, I'm a punctual kind of guy. So, of course, at the end of his monologue, DJ's like, do you mind if I pray for you? I'm like, oh, great. This is going to be a long prayer, you know. Like, DJ just can't help himself when there's a problem presented. And there's a part of him I absolutely love about that. I just love that about DJ. And I love that about our God. You know, if he's just, if he's just presented with a problem, Jesus, God, cannot help himself but to fix that problem. Isn't that awesome about the nature of our God? So he sees this, this man with dropsy. He sees this man with edema. And then he heals him. And then he begins to teach the Pharisees. He notices a few observations that I think is powerful. First observation he, he really mentions and shares when healing this man is people matter way more than tradition does. Now, I want to I uh, personalize it for you guys. Um, some of you guys may be in such a routine, in such a rut, that you don't see the, needs of God, see the needs of people around you, and you don't even see God anymore. Why? Because you are so married to your schedule and to your routine. You know a prayer I pray a lot of the times? is God, help me to have your eyesight, help me to have spiritual eyes, and to see God and to see the needs of other people. Some of us are so traditional that we don't even, we neglect the people that God has called us to reach and neglect the people that God has called us to help. People matter way more than tradition does. And so Jesus begins to give a little bit more observation. He begins to teach these Pharisees. He goes, one thing I noticed, gentlemen, is like all you guys went to the seats of honor, to the highly esteemed seats. And I just noticed like, when you come into a room, what you should do is go to the seats that are lowly seats, the seats that don't have as much status, sit there, and then be invited into the place of honor. And he gives this powerful scripture. He says, for those who are exalted, for those who humble themselves will be exalted, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Isn't that powerful? Uh, I've heard it said like this, choose humility or be humiliated. That's good preaching right there. I'm just saying you don't shout me down, I'm going to shout myself. You know, I love when Petey goes, that's good preaching right there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Dad, if you're watching, I love you. Don't fire me. Okay. Um, regardless, what was I talking about? I get so caught up in making fun of my dad. Um, so so they, they heal him. He heals this guy. Jesus gives this principle. It's, people matter more than tradition does. Uh, humble yourself or you will be uh, humbled yourself. Come on. And then the last thing he says and mentions, he goes, listen, guys. I also noticed, look at all the people here. There's people of status. 
They're modern-day celebrities in our translation. They're people of the upper class. Where's the middle class? Where's the lower class? Where's the people that are sick? Where's the people that you can't reciprocate from, basically, is what he's saying. And he's just saying, listen, be generous. Invite all different types of people. Surround yourselves with all different types of people. And so one of the Pharisees responds with, okay, is this what the kingdom of God is like? I like it. And then Jesus is like, let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like. And he begins to describe this parable. And we pick up in verse 15. This is what it says. When one, of these, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat the, at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, and I want you to pay attention to this. A certain man was preparing a great banquet. Somebody say a great banquet. Great and he invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all like began to make excuses. I want to point out something. The table was set. The party was prepared. The people didn't have to do anything but just show up. Can I tell you something about the grace of God? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to earn it. You can't, you can't achieve it. It is simply something you receive and respond to. It's just something that God has already prepared and given you. You just simply have to respond to it. So much of Christianity nowadays, you think, is about achieving something. It's really not. It's about receiving something. Dang, this boy's preaching right now. But they all alike began to make excuses. Verse 18. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Blames it on his wife. Hello. <laughs> How many husbands here know that is not a good thing, right? Uh, the servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. I love how immediately the servant was obedient. My mom always used to say, Devin, delayed obedience is no obedience, young man. It still haunts me today. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house would be full. Verse 24, I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. I want to talk today on this title, The Great Banquet. I believe that should be on top of your notes. But I also really just want to talk about some invitations that I believe God is sending out. Many people haven't responded to. Or many people haven't even known that there's an invitation sent out. And I want to talk about that today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for these moments we share together. Help us today to see Jesus so clearly, to hear from heaven, praise God, and to encounter the power of God. I ask that every single person in this room will get a word from the Lord, not a word from Devin. For I can't change anybody, but you can, Lord. Today, challenge us, change us, convict us, help us to be not just uh, hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. In Jesus' name. And come on, everybody said? Amen. Amen and amen. Um, who in here, where are my party people at? Who loves to socialize? Who loves to go out and bow? Who loves to party? Raise your hand. I love it. I love it. All the out, uh, extroverts right here. So for me personally, I, I love to go into social environments. I love partying. I love going to weddings all the time. We had just five weddings in the past month we went to. That's the, uh, the blessing yeah, seriously, it's the blessing of leading a young adults ministry. Uh, everybody's getting married right now, which is awesome in Jesus' name. Um, but so, like, we went to a bunch of weddings. And for me personally, I love weddings. Why? Because weddings have dance floors and Devin belongs on dance floors, okay? 
that's just the reality of it. But I, I kind of figured and did a little bit of studying and just kind of thinking myself, there are really four ingredients for any great party or any great wedding or something like that. Um, first ingredient, obviously, you got to have great people. Come on. People make parties. Am I right? It's the people you do life with. You can be in a basement. It doesn't matter about location. If you got the right people, you can party your butt off, right? Come on, somebody. You can, you can just party. You can have an absolute blast depending on the people that you are with. Another big ingredient really is, uh, is food. Come on, somebody. I, just, I, I love, I'm a food guy. I feel like every time I'm preaching up here, I always talk about food. But there is one particular food that I'm telling you, I experienced the glory of God, Brazilian steak. Yeah. It's called picanha. It's just, oh, I, I'm telling you, it's manna from heaven. I believe in the Old Testament Hebrew language that was literally translated manna to Brazilian steak. I don't know. <laughs> me personally. It might be blasphemy. But anyways, so like, I just, I don't know, I love good food. It's amazing. It, it creates atmosphere. Have you ever been to a party where they have like terrible food? Like, what is this? It's, it's, it's celery and blue cheese. What is that? <laughs> Listen, if you serve that, stop that right now. You should be ashamed of yourself. Come on. One thing I love, my wife is Brazilian, and so anytime we go to a party or a celebration, Brazilians, they know how to put some food together. Come on. Frank, Christina, I love you guys. Like, I'm talking like, they have like a plethora, a huge platter of food, a bevy of food that I just am absolutely in love with. I'm like, I've gained 25 pounds since I got married. No, I'm just kidding. But like, I I love, I love to eat. A great party always has great food. Another ingredient of a great party, you got to have great music. Come on, where are my music people at? Who loves music in here? Um, for me personally, uh, there's this one particular song that when I hear it, my, my soul just dances, okay? Uh, it's Yeah by Usher. Anybody? <laughs> I know everybody in here only listens to worship music because you're all Christian in here, but, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself, Devin. You live in secular music. <laughs> this is not a legalistic church. Dog even loves it. Um, like, for me... Uh, when I hear that song, I just, I have to find a dance floor. And so there's one time uh, my, my sister just got married. She got married probably about a month ago. And uh, of course I hear my song. And I'm like, oh shoot, it's about to go down, you know. I find the dance floor and I, I don't know, I just, I just get buck wild on the dance floor for me personally. I remember dancing and some of my friends were like, Devin, turn around and look at your grandmothers. My grandmothers are looking at me in total disgust. They're like, what is my grandson doing? <laughs> This generation is ridiculous. I don't know what happened. They are losing their faith. I'm like, my grandma is just how I, my body just has to flow, okay? That's what we do. It's what we do. Last key ingredient, I think, to any great celebration or any great party, you got to have a great host. Am I right? A great host, somebody that's invested financially in it, somebody that's planned it. See, a great party is not just something that's spontaneous. It's something that has been well well prepared, well planned. And today, I I really want to talk about Uh, Something about the nature of our God, because I think he gets a really bad rep for being a party pooper or somebody that's up in the sky, folding his arms, mad at everybody, or super serious. And this may sound like a simple thought, but I promise you it's profound if you allow it to be. Um, God loves celebration. Can I tell you, a key defining factor of our God is our God loves to celebrate. Write that down in your notes. That's a big idea. God loves to celebrate. I just love this. If you look at the Old Testament, the New Testament, the whole biblical narrative, I'm telling you, you will find all throughout it, the joy of your Lord is your strength. Romans 14, 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not simply about eating and drinking, but it's about peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. You find all throughout scriptures, you'll find that joy and celebration is a key defining factor in scripture. Uh, let Let me read it to you from Revelation. Revelation chapter 21 
It even describes heaven like this. For heaven is like this. Revelation 21, 1 through 2. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. So heaven will be a renewed version of our earth. And Revelation 21, 26 says, The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. What does that mean? It basically means all the incredible stuff that is on earth is being translated and sanctified and made even better in heaven. Isn't that awesome? This is what heaven is going to look like. See, a lot of people think heaven is just going to be an eternal long church service singing holy, holy, holy. No, there'll be mansions in heaven. I believe there'll be basketball in heaven. I believe there'll be Brazilian steak in heaven. I feel the glory of God in this room. <laughs> you like how I did that again with that? Um, like, I'm talking like heaven looked like that. Uh, go back to Genesis. You find that in the Garden of Eden, that was literally a utopia on earth. But what happened? Man ruined it. Man messed it up. Can I tell you, a key defining factor of our God is like he loves to celebrate. He loves to create environments that are just for celebration, for joy, for excitement. But I find so often that Christians are the most stressed people on the earth. Why? Why? And I take... I take offense to that. It's a bone. I have a bone to pick with some Christians. Because a lot of times, you even see people in church. I, I, like, I see you guys looking at me. Some of you guys are like this. I'm a funny guy. You need to laugh. <laughs> and if you didn't laugh at that, you need help. Come on. I'm just kidding. Devin, you're so angry up here. Stop that. Um, like, for me personally, I just have made a decision. No matter what my circumstance is, no matter what I may be going through, I will stand in joy because my joy is not circumstantial. It is unconditional. I don't have happiness like the world does that is circumstantial and always is fleeting. And a circumstance can come up and your happiness can go. But you can be going through hell on earth and still have joy. Come on. I just believe that. We got to be people that are like God and just celebrate a little bit. I want to give you three quick application points. I got 20 minutes. That clock is going so fast, so I need you to write this down. Okay, first thought. First thought. You ready? Yes. 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 Okay, cool. <laughs> you ready? Yes. One, yeah, I'm just ready. Okay. First thought, practical application, celebrate more. Celebrate more. I know that sounds simple, but I promise you it'll change your life if you allow it to. Because oftentimes I find that Christians are, or I find that the world parties way harder than the church. That should not be the case. Can I tell you that? Christians party, or Christ, uh, the world parties way harder than the church. That simply should just not be the case. We are people that have reason to celebrate. Come on, my life was paid for. My life was bought. I am a free man, no longer struggling with the addictions of sin and shame or guilt any longer. I don't even have to fear death. I got reason to celebrate. Come on. I got reason to celebrate. You know, I, I did a little case study on this word feast. You know, the word feast in the Bible is found 180 times all throughout the scriptures. And you know what would take place at these feasts? Well, the first thing you would do, you would walk into this place, and like this great banquet parable that Jesus is telling, this is what would happen. First of all, feasts would last seven to ten days. Could you imagine if we brought that back into our culture? Hey, um, I'm having a party, throwing it together. When is it? Oh, it's for the next 18 days. What? I'm there. You're telling me you're going to give me food? You're going to give me clothing? This is what happened. You walk into the feast. You'll be greeted with a kiss or a hug or affirmation. All the single people are like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know? That was funny. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Got it. That was another dad thing. I thought that was funnier. Don't do that joke next service. Okay. Okay. Well received. Understood. So, like, you walk in. You were greeted with a kiss, greeted with a hug. Then your feet would be washed. Can you imagine if we did that today? You know, Alfredo Borlotti's downstairs. Uh, can you take off your feet, sir? Oh, God. Oh. 
I'm not a feet person. My sister is not a foot person either. Like, feet get around her. Even if there's shoes on, she's like, ew, get away from me. Get away from me. <laughs> any, any, like, people hate feet in here? Okay, honest people, thank you. And so you'd be greeted. Your feet would be washed. You'd be given a robe of honor, and, like, it would be beautiful. Uh, some of you guys, maybe it's a nice mink robe. Maybe it's just a, like, nice little hoodie that says connect his family on the back. You know, just you'd be greeted with a robe like that. Your beard or your hair would be anointed. Some of you guys already have anointed beards, so praise God for that. My man, you got an anointed beard over here. Um, and some of you girls are like, ain't nobody touching my weave. Nuh-uh. <laughs> you know? Your beard or hair would be anointed. And then you would be greeted at the door and just be bombarded with all this plethora of food. Like, come on, we should bring this into our culture today. This is what, this is what Scripture says are feasts. I just believe, like, God designed life to be a life to be enjoyed. Come on. I, I love what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. This is what he says. The wisest man to ever live, according to Scripture, says this. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 15. He says, so I commend the enjoyment of life. Isn't that powerful? You ought to underline that in your Bible. I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat Chipotle and drink Guadana and be glad. Come on. Matthew chapter 11, verse 19 says this. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. See, Jesus was even blamed for partying too much. Isn't that interesting? He was blamed for partying too much. Do you remember his first miracle he ever did? Changing water into wine? Like, y'all yo, ran out of wine? Bam, it's gone. It's back. You know? It's back. Like, he was at a social environment. He was at a party. You have permission to celebrate, people. Come on. I think this, and you should write this in your notes. Um, we have lost the art of celebration, but we've mastered the art of complaining. I think a lot of us, if we took a really a personal inward check, do you complain more than you celebrate? Because if, if, if you're complaining more than you celebrate, man, something's off. And by the way, glorifying your problems does not help the problem. I find so often people love to talk about all their problems. Very rarely do you find people saying, God has blessed me. My life is good. I got a great wife. I got a great house. I got a car. At least it's a car. It may not be a Ferrari, but I got a car. I'm thankful. I live in America. You got a lot of blessings you can be thankful for. Come on. Come on master the art of celebration and forget about complaining all the time. Amen. Man. Uh, I wrote another thing down. Um, you may be going through hell on earth, but that does not mean you have to take residency there. You may be going through hell, and I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, uh, water down kind of what's going on in life. I know people have problems. I know there are issues that you face. Maybe you're faced with death. Maybe it's a financial problem. Maybe business isn't going so well. Maybe it's a family issue. And I'm telling you, just because there's a problem, a pain may be in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? Joy comes in the morning. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That word walk is paramount right there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. Don't you dare take place and build a home in the place of hell. You may be going through something right now, but I'm telling you, there's greater days ahead of you. you better, better days are ahead. The best is still yet to come. Don't just camp when you're going through hell. That's good for you. That's good for you. I remember, I remember a few uh, months ago, I was hitting up a couple of my buddies and said, hey, gentlemen, let's go to the movies tonight. We'll go to AMC theaters. They got all these beautiful reclining chairs nowadays. I don't know if you've been there, but it's amazing. 
So we, walk, we go there, and uh, on my way, I'm driving there. I get a phone call from both of them right, right after another, and they're both like, yeah, dude, uh, my wife said I can't go anymore, so sorry, uh, I'm not going to make it. Both of them, I'm like, what in the world is going on, people? I ended up going to the movies by myself on a Friday night. Do you know how much of a loser I felt like? <laughs> like, go, go to the movies by yourself, but on a Friday night or a Saturday night, you're a loser if you do that, okay? I'm just kidding. I uh, rebuke condemnation from you right there. So, like... You should go out with somebody in social environments, people. Um, so, like, for me personally, I went there and I was, like, kind of depressed the whole movie. I'm looking to my left and to my right, both empty seats that I bought tickets for. I'm like, I can't even give these tickets away anymore because I don't know anybody. At the end of the movie, thanks, David Pisania. Anyways, at the end of the movie, <laughs> I, uh, it was, he did cancel on me. So, uh, end of the movie comes around, and uh, I walk outside and grab all my stuff, going, uh, going back home, and I realized the empty light on my gas tank came on, stopped at a gas station, realized I couldn't find my wallet anywhere. I'm like, where's my wallet? Looked in all my pockets, looked in the glove compartment, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, maybe I left it at home because I paid for the movie ticket online on the app. So I go back home, can't find it anywhere, go to church the next day. Of course, I'm stretching out my gas tank. You know how Jesus did a miracle for the, five lo- the two loaves of uh, uh, bread and fish? Like, for me personally, I think that's what he did to my gas tank, just stretched it out. I was so thankful. But I, get, I go to church the next day. I'm like, where is my wallet? And I remember, I think I left it at the movie theater. So I go to the theater, go to G8, and I find my wallet inside of this little demon pocket that things can just fall into. And I was frustrated, people, but I found it. Texted my wife afterwards. I said, babe, we're celebrating tonight. Uh, I'm buying dinners. I'm buying steak. If I see a homeless man, I'm buying him a full meal because I found my wallet. What was lost was now found. Come on. And can I tell you something? You were once lost, and then you were found. You were once dead, and now you are alive. You have reason to sell. Come on. Can we thank God today? for what he has given us. I want to challenge you today. Really take this as a practical step. I love what John Maxwell says. He says, experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated experience is. You should take your notes and go home with it every single week, especially when PD is preaching. Go home with it. Just check it off. Read it throughout the week and let it become a part of your everyday life. I want to challenge you to apply that into your everyday life. Celebrate more often. You've got to be proactive about celebrating more often. Second thought I want to give you. I've got to rush. Second thought is this, eliminate excuses. Eliminate excuses. Look at what scripture says. Luke chapter 14, verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Can I tell you what a dumb excuse is? He bought a field. He already saw it. He doesn't need to go see it again. (laughs) Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. You already bought them. You've already tried them. That's a dumb excuse. And of course, the last one we know, I just got married, so I can't come. Like, that's a dumb excuse. You're blaming it on your wife. Can I tell you, um, your excuses will deter you from your God-given destiny. It's the little small white lies that can deter you from where God has called you to be. And I want to challenge that today. Some of us have a bad habit of just giving small excuses. You know, I hear three excuses oftentimes when it comes to the church, when it comes to the things of God, the kingdom of God. Um, and I hear these things all the time. Number one, first one I hear. Uh, I just don't feel like, I don't feel like coming to church. I don't feel like uh, reading my Bible. I don't have the ability. I just, I, I don't know, I just don't feel like it, you know? Um, can I tell you, like, Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross and getting brutally murdered for our sake. Can I, one thing I just love about our God is, like, he did not follow his feelings, but he followed his convictions. He was committed 
to loving us, even though he didn't feel like it. Friend, you should just make Sunday sacred. Just because you don't feel like coming or you may be hurting, even when you're sick. I don't feel like going because I'm sick. This is the best place to be when you're sick. Go get your hands, go get hands laid on you and get healed in Jesus' name. Like, just because you don't feel like it, it's a dumb excuse. It's an excuse that will literally deter you from your destiny. Another one I hear all the time is, I'm just too busy. And if you're too busy for the things of God, friend, you're too busy. you got to prioritize the house of God. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Um, um, prioritize the house of God. Prioritize feeding your soul every single week. I am telling you, that will change your life. Another one I hear, and this one is valid, honestly. This is a valid excuse that I hear a lot of the times because I felt the same way, is I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to get involved in church. I'm just not prepared. I don't know the scriptures like everybody else does. I still got some stuff in my life that I got to deal with. I'm still struggling with some sins. So I'm just, I'm just not ready. And I understand that one because I was there. You, think, you, don't, you don't think I feel inadequate at times? I don't know all the scriptures. I still got questions. But I'm telling you, God will get you prepared along the way. That's what our God does. I remember talking to my wife and uh, we were running late for something. <laughs> I'm going to leave that thought alone. We were running late for something. You guys know where I was going with that, didn't you? <laughs> I noticed a lot of Brazilians are laughing right now. Anyways, um, <laughs> just kidding, sort of. So we were running late for something. I'm like, babe, you look beautiful. You look gorgeous. I love your outfit. You are absolutely stunning already. She's like, I got to do my makeup. I'm like, babe, can you please do the makeup in the car on the way? And just, I would just say, like, to some of you guys, you get prepared and you get equipped on the way of following Jesus. Get, dive in, go all in. You may not be prepared or ready yet, but who's ever really ready for the things of God? You dive all in, and I'm telling you, God will prepare you along the way. Do you receive that? I think that's good. Um, I remember, for me personally, there was a story uh, my mom told me about what I did back in the day. I was like five years old, five to six years old. And uh, we go to this CVS store. My mom's getting a few items and stuff. She goes to the counter. I'm like a little young buck, and so nobody can really see me at all. I'm barely reaching over the counter. And so I was looking at my mom's eyes and the cashier's eyes, and I noticed neither one of them were looking at me. So I'm like, oh, I see this nice little cute zebra gum. You guys remember zebra gum? Yes. Last, the flavor lasted for literally two and a half seconds, but it had a zebra tattoo on your tongue, so it was dope, you know? So I, just, I was looking. I don't know, this sinful little five, five-year-old Devin just like put it in my pocket, boop. Got it, walked out the door. Don't judge me right now, people, okay? So I'm walking out the door. I'm driving back home, and I, t- I take out the uh, piece of gum. I tattoo the zebra on my tongue, you know? I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. My mom turns around. She goes, young man, where'd you get that gum? Uh, the floor? It's on the floor. Uh, I just cleaned this car out yesterday, young man. Where did you get that gum? And for me personally, you know how like young kids, they're not quick or witty yet? And so for me, I always did this one thing. My mom knew I was lying. She'd go, young man, where'd you get that gum? Uh, what? <laughs> what, mom? Uh, I don't know. You know, and she's like, you stole that gum. I said, uh, no, no. I, you know, it just didn't give me all these excuses left and right. And she eventually asked this question and it marked me. She goes, what is your integrity worth? She goes, is it, is it worth a 75 cent piece of gum? I go, mom, it was a dollar. Is it worth a dollar? <laughs> Get it right, woman. No, I'm just kidding. Is it worth a dollar? And I, I want to ask you guys that. What's your integrity worth? See, some of you guys are saying small little excuses that can deter you from your destiny. What is your integrity worth? Those small little excuses are so dangerous. Let me ask you a different question in a different way. What is your calling worth? 
Because a lot of times I feel like people thwart their calling, throw their calling away. You are called by God. You know what scripture says? For many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called. I would venture to say, if you are in this room, God has a divine appointment waiting for you, but you haven't responded to that divine appointment yet. Many of you are called in this room by God. Have you responded to that call of God? Have you responded? Because a lot of us give excuses, and we wonder why we're empty of fulfillment. Because your excuses will deter you from your God-given destiny. Do you receive that? Third thing, last thing, is this. I believe this is a mission statement for our church, and I pray it is. Find, you find it in Luke chapter 14, 21. Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. There is always room in the house of God for the people that God absolutely loves. There's still room. Then the master said, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them. Somebody say compel. Compel, compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I want to tell you, all people are welcome in our church. Every single type of person, no matter your background, no matter your struggles, no matter your addictions, no matter who you are, there is no condemnation that we give to people coming in through our doors. All people are welcome. Black, white, rich, poor, faceless, famous, whoever you are. You're struggling with bondages. You come from divorce. Whatever the circumstance, whatever the scenario, you belong here before you believe here. You belong in this house. You can clap for that. Come on, this is a house of belonging. I know some of you guys may be struggling with some, some stuff, whether it be internal, whether it be sin problems, whatever it may be. I'm telling you, all people are welcome into our house. I remember one time, it was after a service, and I go downstairs to greet some people, and I go downstairs in the common area, and it reeked of marijuana. And the first service, some people were like, whoa. Like, if you're not exposed to some of that stuff every once in a while, you're not doing your job as a Christian. You should be infiltrating all places, not just being in church all the time. Should offend some religious people, but it's good for you. Like, you should be in environments where there are lost people, where there is sin, because where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. So a lot of people would come downstairs and, or come into a service like that, and they'd be frustrated, they'd be mad. Who would, who would defile the house of God like that? And there is a point where absolutely you should have a reverence for the house of God. However, what I loved about it was that somebody said, I felt welcomed and I felt accepted to come into this house, even though I'm still struggling with some of these areas over here. And I thought to myself, praise God, we're doing something right. We're doing something right. If our church, if our church doesn't smell like weed every once in a while, if our church doesn't have some broken people every once in a while, if our church doesn't have some people that are struggling with shame, sin, and guilt every once in a while, we are not doing our job correctly. Come on, all people are welcome into our house. Connect Community Church is a home for the broken. It is a home for the lost. It is a home for the empty. It is a home for the prideful. It is a home for the insecure. It is a home for the guilty. It is a home for the people that were once from divorce. It is a home for people that are from broken families. It is a home for all people. Can I get an amen? amen. It's a home. It's a home. I didn't share this in the first service, but I feel like it's important for you guys to hear. I remember uh, it was probably four or five months ago. My sister, uh, Morgan, she's, she goes to Ashland High School. She just graduated. But there was a young man in her class that uh, was so struggling with depression, angry kid. A lot of people said he had some signs. They didn't know until it happened. But literally, there's train tracks right out these doors over here. And he ran in front of the train tracks and got pummeled over by a train. And I'm sorry for the vulgarity, but it's good for you to hear some of those details every once in a while. Why? Because it, it messes with your heart. 
And so I thought he was this close to a healthy, life-giving church, literally up the street. He was this close to a healthy, life-giving church, and he was so tormented inside of his soul, inside of his being, that he just thought, the only way I can get free is to kill myself. And he was this close to encountering Jesus, literally in proximity. He was so close to finding a church family. Can I tell you, no more of those young men in our community. No more of those people in our community. We got to fill the house of God with the broken. We got to fill the house of God with the empty. See, church is not simply just for church people. I can tell you, I know some people in here. We got some messed up people in here, but I love it. Why? Because I'm messed up. You're messed up. But that's why we need a Savior. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's why we need a Savior. No more of those young men anymore. See, you should get offended when you see empty seats every once in a while. Why? Because who in here, let me ask a question, who in here is in full-time ministry? Wrong. All you are in full-time ministry. Every single one of you are in full-time ministry. Some of you get paid to do it, and I get paid to do it, but all of you were made to do it. Every single one of you were made to be in full-time ministry and to reach people and to love people. I heard a challenge from a pastor. He said, you should bring at least two times out of the 52 weeks of the year, you should bring a friend and watch what it does to your faith. It immediately matures you. I'm telling you. Some of the things you love about church services, you would absolutely hate when you bring a friend to it. Why? Because it challenges you. It's good for you. You got to bring a friend to church every once in a while because I'm telling you, it'll mature you in the process. Our mission is very clear. Fill the house. Fill the house. Fill the house. Last fill in the blank there, and I want you to stand up after you fill it out, is empty hell, populate heaven. That is our task. That is our mission. I heard a man say this. He says, people will not die for a task, but people will die for a mission. And you have been given the great commission. It's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. We as a church should take full responsibility for the people in our city, for the people in our community. Amen? Amen. Can you stand to your feet with me? I have 25 seconds. And I want to get you out and respect your time. There's this last verse in verse 24. It says this. It says, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. I had this thought reading that scripture. Is those people that gave those excuses... I don't think they recognized who was inviting them because when they recognized who was inviting them, they would have responded correctly. I got a phone call this one time um, at uh, my grandmother's house. I was helping her set up some of the Wi-Fi there. They are technologically uh, not inclined, let me put it that way. And so I was helping them set up the Wi-Fi. I get, a, I get an unknown uh, number, call on my phone, pick up the phone, said, hello. He goes, is this Reverend Fry? I said, are you looking for Reverend Derek Fry? He goes, no, I'm looking for Reverend Devin Fry. I said, this is him? And he goes, this is FBI agent Cristiano. I'm thinking to myself, every sin I ever committed was right before my eyes. I'm like, my past is caught up with me. My Lord Jesus, I thought I was free from condemnation and guilt, you know. And he goes, I want to tell you. I'm just kidding. This is Chris Mendez. What's up, dog? (laughs) And I'm like, Chris, I'm going to punch you straight in the jugular, bro. This is our campus pastor, people. Pray for him, okay? I was was like, I was almost going to cuss at him, okay? I was mad at him. But I just thought, like, as soon as he mentioned I'm the FBI agent, I was like, Phew. like, literally, I'm on the phone, but my posture got better, you know? I began to be like, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, no, sir, you know? The fear of God came over me. And I just think, why, why did that happen? Because I recognized who was calling me. It was a person of authority. It was a person of power. And can I tell you, it was not a client 
that has called you. It was not a friend that's called you. It wasn't a colleague that called you. It was not even a family member that has called you or invited you into this thing. It is Almighty God. It is Jesus Christ himself that has invited you into this great banquet, into this great celebration, into a life full of adventure, full of abundant life. John 10, 10, the abundant Zoe life that God is providing. I am not saying it's going to be all flowers and all butterflies. It is not. But let me tell you, there is joy following Jesus. There is peace following Jesus. There is righteousness and right living. You can be free from guilt and free from shame. And there's that invitation that's being sent out. I want to pray for two groups of people really fast. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? The first group I want to pray for is the people that know they need to come to Jesus. For there was an invitation sent out, and the invitation was Jesus hung up high on that cross dripped of every ounce of blood he had, not because simply he wanted to do it or he felt like doing it, but because he loved you so much, he was slaughtered for you. And I want to invite you today to accept and to receive the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and make him not just the savior of your life, not just for fire insurance, but make him the Lord of your life. So I'm going to count to three and I want you to shoot your hand up boldly and say, that's me. I want to accept and receive Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for my sin. One, Jesus loves you so much, so much that he died for you. Two, today is your day for salvation. Don't wait another minute. Three, if that's you, shoot your hand up boldly and say, that's me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you back there. Thank you so much. And would everybody just repeat this prayer after me and say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I know I could not save myself, but I needed a Savior, and you are that for me. Today, I make you the Lord and Savior of my life, and I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, I pray you bless every single person that prayed that, Lord. Thank you, God. Now, for the second group, I want everybody looking at me. I think uh, so often we come to church and we get in routine. And whether you know it or not, it can just become a habit because we're creatures of habit. And many of you have the gifts and talents of God, and you're not using them for the glory of God. Many of you have been called by God to do incredible things. I'm not even just saying it's through, it's based in a local church like like a team here. I'm saying God has called you to change the planet, to change the world. Each and every single one of you have God-divine gifts. Maybe it's compassion. Maybe it's creativity. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's art. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's being a mom or a dad. Maybe it's being a provider. Whatever it is, God has called you. And some of you guys have been neglecting that call. I'm telling you, you will never be able to experience fulfillment, true fulfillment, like the one that God can give you. You will experience satisfaction from the worldly things, but you will not be able to experience fulfillment that only God can provide. And I want to give you that invitation today to respond to the call of God. And how can you do that? I promise you, you cannot do it alone. You can't do it alone. You need a church body. You need a church family. You need community. I'm not just trying to be programmatic because I'm trained to say this. No, I, I believe in small groups. I believe in connect groups. I believe in family. I believe in going to the next steps process. I believe just in coming to church. One thing about that man with dropsy, that man with edema, he was just in the vicinity of God and he got healed. You're just around the people of God, the things of God, worship, throwing worship in your car ride home. I'm telling you, you will be blessed just because you're in the presence of God. Amen? So I want to encourage you today. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray every single person in here would not simply just neglect 
the call of God on their lives, the invitation that's been sent out by God. We're not give any small excuses anymore. We would learn to be a church and a people and a family and a man or a woman that just celebrates. We will not glorify our complaints or our problems. We will glorify our God and glorify our blessings because we have been blessed so much. And if God, you didn't do another thing for us, you've blessed us enough. And we so are so grateful and so thankful. And today, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would convict us. Holy Spirit, Spirit, bring us to remembrance of all these small excuses, the little white lies that we may be said. And that's where you would delete that from our memory banks. You would delete that from just our habits and our words that we're speaking out. And lastly, God, I pray that we would be a church on mission, that our hearts would break for people, that we would cry when we hear broken stories, when we hear hurting stories, that we would just, just out of compassion, love Jesus, out of compassion, love people unconditionally, that even if they're bad to us, we turn the other cheek, as impossible as that may sound, but we are led by the love of God. Help us to be more like Jesus, more like DJ, where we, we, hear, we hear problems. We just can't help but to lay hands on somebody and pray for them, simply because we are just so moved by compassion. And lastly, God, I pray that we'd be a church that just, just fills the house all the time. You know, we know that your will, your want, is to fill the house of God and that we would use, you would use us to fill this place for people that so desperately need a family, people that so desperately need you, God. We're so thankful, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this church. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Thank you guys so much.